0: It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's quarters every week, right here on BallQuest.
1: Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday. Hope Tennessee is doing well. Josh Heupel to meet the media in just a little bit. We'll have full coverage of that coming up. Uh, later today and uh, the matchup piece coming up later as well but for the next bit here we want to talk to you about uh, answering your questions in the mailbag edition of the podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics remember visit one of their four locations in Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge Sevierville and their newest location in Knoxville which is right across the street from Trader Joe's on Kingston Pike. You can visit them online at smokymountainorganics.com. Smoky Mountain Organic features the best brands of bath and body care items, organic teas. They got the largest selection of plant therapy essential oils in Tennessee, their CBD products, much, much more. That's at Smoky Mountain Organics. Remember, if, uh, be sure and tell them if you're in the store that uh, mention Valquest to them, and you'll get 15 percent off your total purchase. That's an in-store purchases only. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. All right, let's get to the mailbag podcast and get to the questions, guys. In a stunning development, there's a lot of questions about the quarterback this week. So, how, uh, how many? How don't many are, anybody? How many of them are from Matt for Rocky Top? A gritty.
2: Um, uh, Navy guy, forty-four, who, who, in, in in
1: his defense, has really calmed down. Uh, I don't you know. I don't think any of them come from those collection, but we'll see as we roll through here. So um, they already have.
0: They, they already have such, such <laughs> concrete opinions. There's no reason for them to ask a question.
1: They've already got their. They've already got the answers to their mailbag questions. All right, here we go. We'll get started with a non-quarterback question here by UT Sportsman sixteen. Aside from the quarterback play, what needs to happen for this team to make a bowl? You can only pick one of the following: one, offensive line staying healthy, playing well; two, improved pass rush. Which one of those two things must happen for Tennessee to make it to a bowl, assuming that they are not self-imposing some kind of bowl ban at this point? Well, I I would go pass rush, and here's why. Because I think if Hendon Hooker's your quarterback,
2: your offensive line doesn't have to improve to still score points uh, because you can make plays with your legs and, and, and move the pocket. So I'll go pass rush for that very reason. If it's somebody else, I think it would have to be offensive line.
0: Uh, I'm going to go offensive line, just play a little bit of devil's advocate. I do think the pass rush needs to get better, but boy, I mean, I think they're well short of having those nine or 10 guys that Glenn normally talked about being ready to play in back, back in August. And I think, I mean, I think you've seen already what just losing Cooper did to them last week. He gets picked because I, I don't think they were very good. You know, the quarter, the quarterbacks really prettied up the, the run stats, like neither Jabari small nor, um, Jalen Wright hit 20 yards rushing for the yep.
1: day 33 yards combined by those two guys I'm going to go offensive line I think you can generate a pass rush with some blitz probably you don't want to have to blitz all the time but you can at least try to generate a pass rush by bringing extra people um, you're not going to win in the SEC with 10 penalties um, eight sacks you know half dozen holding calls in, in, in a two-game span like that so um, I, I'm, I'm going to jump and say the offensive line, although I do think there's some merit to the offensive line, not having to be great. If your quarterback is elusive, like Hendon Hooker was in, in the first game, but overall, I think you got to go, I got to go offensive line. Uh, if, if the question is framed, uh, that way, uh, see trout M one wants to know, do you have any clue what Apple was referring to when he talked about players needing to be better in the 48 hours leading up to the game? I asked Josh Heupel about that Wednesday night on vol calls. Um, he said, you know, it's just being dialed in, focused, uh, being on time where you needed to be, um, having all the right answers to the, to the questions that you're given late in the game, much like we've heard Rick Barnes for years talk about, you know, being able to follow your scouting report, know your scouting report. Um, Austin, just sounds like this group was not terrible last week, but a little maybe laissez-faire about some things after week one. And it certainly has not set well with Josh Heupel because he has referenced it at every opportunity he's had to speak to the media about anything.
2: Well, I think for him, you know, he's let them have um, some kind of space and, 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 and some autonomy to do different things. I mean, you know, there's kind of like no set uniform for them um on game day as far as like you know and everybody wears orange on white or orange on orange but i mean like if guy wants to wear long socks he can he wants to wear short socks he can he wants to wear two arm sleeves three headbands whatever like you know there's not anything that like you know like previous staffs have said okay we're not we're all gonna wear big socks or all we're gonna wear short socks or we're all gonna whatever um he's letting them kind of have some you know individual tendencies and so I think, you know, when he asks them to do things like show up on time to a meeting or whatever else, he expects them to do that because he is letting them have more freedom than they've had before. So I think that that, that's probably where the frustration comes in with a
1: little bit. Yep. Clearly it bothered him, Rob Lewis. I mean, I mean, he's constantly referenced it. It's something that he's been mentioning and, and talking about. So we'll see if this team's any better. He he referenced on Wednesday night. Said, "Hey, the team's been really good Monday through Wednesday this week. We'll see how they finish. They got to finish the week better than they finished it uh, a week ago for, for sure. I promise. There are some quarterback questions coming in this mailbag podcast, but they're not yeah. off the, not off the top. Apparently, J D. ninety eight wants to know any updates with the black uniforms. Austin, you say they're coming at some point, right? I think the black uniforms are honestly here. I think it's all about you know wanting
2: to do a different helmet and you know, getting the helmet here.
1: So, but, but when they wear them depends on when those arrive.
2: Yes, in my opinion. It, I mean, if, if the helmet don't come in, they, they won't just wear them to wear them.
1: Okay. All right. In my Tam- opinion. Tampa ball wants to know, Rob, any talks of future basketball opponents aside from Memphis and Arizona? Basketball co- scheduling strange, though, right, Rob? I mean, it's not like it, you do something three or four years out unless you're getting into one of those you know, it'll it'll preseason up, holiday tournaments or something like that, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, they can. I mean, they they all know each other so well. I mean, you can do that with a phone call in, you know, April. Or I mean, or you know, I, I remember hearing the, the Arizona thing came together, you know, so quickly. I mean, so no, I don't. I, they're not working on anything big. I think as long as Rick is here and Mark Few is at Gonzaga, you'll probably see them play every couple of years. I don't. And I know Rick was wanting to do something like in Nashville and in, in Seattle. He does He does not want to go to uh spoke is that spokane mm-hmm. he does not want to do that he would he would like to play them not necessarily neutral court but like tennessee did a few years ago play them in seattle and then have, have gonzire come back and play play them in nashville so I, I, i'd look for that one to, to pop up again while if both those coaches are, are still there for a while
1: all right tampa ball also wants to know an update on d beckwith and if he's healthy um or is there a reason why he hasn't or is there a reason why he hasn't been dressed and hasn't played
2: just not
1: good enough to get out there. Same thing with Aubrey Solomon, right? I mean, he's not played either. I mean, just not, just not made a move on the depth chart. We'll see if those guys factor in and and play this weekend or, or how that goes. But um, to this point, that's, you know, they just haven't, they haven't been called upon. I don't think either one of them are out. They both practiced. They've been practicing. They practiced all of fall camp. Uh, What's been the three biggest shocks for you guys in the first two games? I, I'll go first on this one. While you guys ponder on it, one Joe Milton's inability to hit a deep ball. If you have said he was going to go zero for six or whatever the number is now, I would have I would have bet the house that that was not going to happen. That that's one and and end. to
0: open guys too. It's not right. like he's had to had to put it into some tight window forty yards downfield. Yeah.
1: Um, special teams play. I, I don't know about shot, but the amount of of, of young players that they're getting production of. Uh, production with out of the special teams unit has been a very pleasant surprise for me. And then the third shock to me has been uh, Trayvon Flowers. I thought he would be much better based on all of the the buzz that he was getting from a lot of people in the preseason in the camp he had um in August. It just has not translated through the first two games thus far. That's my three. All right
2: I'll I mean, go got, go play. ahead.
0: No go ahead. I was you gotta mention it. You got to mention Milton's inaccuracy downfield. I mean that's just I think that's going to be on everybody's list. Uh, individually, really, I don't know about shocked, but surprised at how good Matthew Butler has been. I mean, I think everybody would have expected Matthew to be a good, productive part of the defensive front. But I, I think he's been really good. The, the folks at Pro Football Focus right now, through two games, have him rated out at 92, which is, I mean, that's way up there nationally. When, you know, we'll see if that holds a you know, small sample size, but I think he's been really good. And I am shocked that um, Salon Page and Aaron Beasley are playing 25, 30 snaps a game.
2: Uh, For me, uh, it's a combination of Joe Milton and the receivers with drops, you know. Um, So passing game
1: in general. Yeah,
2: in general. I'm shocked Chase McGrath's been so solid and and doing it from decent distance. Not like he's been... Got a 48-yarder. Yeah, not like he's been chipping in 32-yarders. I mean... You know, he, he, he really has been solid through two games. Um, and then I, I'll go with Rob. I mean, the amount of snaps that, that Paige is
1: getting is a shocker to me. Chase McGrath with the ever-popular 48-yarder from the uh, set of downs that started inside the 10-yard line. Uh, which is always always the red zone production you're looking for there. Tampa Ball's last question is, how much does the AD have in the bank? I'm not sure if he means athletics director or athletics department. The AD's got a lot in the bank based on that contract. He's going to have a lot in the bank because it rolls over, and he's got a great uh, security net if, he, uh, if they ever want to decide to make a move there. So um, he's got a lot of money in the bank. As for the athletic department, they don't have near enough money in the bank, which is why they're trying to raise – as much money as they can. There was approval by the state on Wednesday for the next phase of Neyland Stadium, which came as no surprise um, that just an amendment to that phase that was already pre-approved. Of course, that's the uh, renovations that will take place on the the west side with those club seats going on, the north side jumbotron uh, with that kind of bar scene, if you will, or whatever, whatever you want to call that outdoor patio um, and then they're going to replace the screen in the uh, south end zone Jumbotron to match the the technology and the HD and everything of the screen in the north side. So uh, no surprise that that was approved and that will get started as soon as the home schedule is completed this year moving I, forward.
0: I, I wish they'd go four corners with the Jumbotrons like they have at AM and Bama.
1: I like that. I kind of like the four corners, too. I don't know that that works because there's not real corners there. I mean, both those other stadiums have kind yeah, of – Yeah, you're right. They're kind, kind of, of a corner and not a deal. to do. But um, I do think that that is uh, – it's a better vantage point, of viewing point for fans out there. I, I think um, it's, a, it's a good look. I just don't know that it would work uh, with the way that the stadium is laid out. All right, here we go. Into those quarterback questions now. What do you all see from Hooker that would make you think he's better than Joe? Joe could do um, – Joe could do about all the throws Hendon was doing, except he hasn't turned the ball over that from ball since 1996.
0: Yeah, Joe has turned it over twice. I mean, once in each game. So I mean, he just not not with an interception, but he's lost a fumble. And i just. I mean, if 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 Milton's going to be as inaccurate as he is, I, I mean, that's an easy decision for me to, to play Hooker. They both and have the same number of turnovers.
1: You know. I mean, um, I, I'm not sure, Austin, that Joe, with the way he's thrown the ball to this point, could have made all those throws that, that Joe made on, on – or that Hendon made on Saturday. The, the throw to, to, J, to Jacob Warren in the end zone for a touchdown was perfect ball placement. And, and I thought his placement to, to, to Jimmy Callaway to give him a chance on that 55-yard touchdown play uh, was good ball placement too. I mean, does he drive the ball down the field? We haven't seen that. Um, you know, but but his ball placement accuracy on those two throws in particular uh, were were really good plays, and, and we haven't seen we haven't seen that accuracy overall from from Joe Milton to this point. Well,
2: you know, Joe's been actually pretty good on the throws that that you know Hendon did make. Um, now, like the throw to, to Jacob Warren, that was like a thirty yarder down to the seven or eight yard line or whatever, you know, in the in the you know in the fourth quarter. I thought that's the throw Joe's not been able to make, the one with touch uh, across the middle. But anything, like I think he could have thrown the same pass to Jimmy Calloway and been just fine. Um, You know, could he have made that throw to to Warren on the touchdown? I mean, I guess so. I mean, I I I, I think he can make any throw. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just think that, you know, for whatever reason, he has more confidence right now making those throws than he does the deep ball throws, which, again, it goes back to why you you were so shocked. And I think all of us have been so shocked that, you know, they've struggled so mightily with that because they have had guys running open. Um, and, you know, the, the, I think the people that, you know, don't understand the hooker love, you know, based off the fact that he has turned it over three times. You know, he had the forced fumble late in the game against Bowling Green um, and then, you know, had the fumble and the pick. Uh, last week against Pitt, so you know he's got three turnovers joe's got the two fumbles um you know so i i get why that there's such a division and right now truth be told guys everybody in this fan base is dealing from with jg hangover i mean like you know had anybody anybody shown a pulse the first two games to the point like you know where you really kind of felt good without turning the ball over this fan base would have gravitated towards him so hard because of the
0: last four years. Yeah, and I'm not saying Hooker is flawless or, you know, Josh Dobbs or anything like that. I just think that right now he's a better option. I mean, I'm he's got his faults. And, you know, it It takes about 10 minutes or less of watching practice to know who has more physical talent. I, it's, it's Joe Milton, <sighs> but, you know, he's not producing.
2: I would like to see, you know, of course, Joe has to be healthy. Um, I would like to see, you know, them kind of do – with joe what the last staff did with jared let him maybe see it from the sidelines for a a series or two i'm not saying you do that every game i think that's insane but you know if you're trying to work him back in you know kind of go that route let him see it
1: develop versus you know just saying go yeah, I mean, I think the other thing with, with with Hendon that's that got everybody's attention too is is the fact of what he could do with his legs, and and the fact that he became a runner when he started scrambling or they called a run play for him. I don't think Joe's. I know he had the one long run straight line, but he, he's not he's not made anybody miss. He's not been quote an elusive runner, um, and I think that's something that was attractive to Tennessee fans and seeing that on Saturday as well. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that – I think Austin or Rob, one of you guys said it best on the roundtable, both of you said it. They're both going to play. It's going to sort itself out, and nobody's mothballing anybody or hitching their wagon to anybody at this point. I mean, it, it is still just kind of wide open, and, and we'll see how it goes from there. Well, <clears throat> well you know, I, my thing was, of course, all, all this is based
2: – this whole opinion is based off of – Joe being healthy, but the more I thought about it all week, the more I thought, you know, like they should let Joe play through this. If he's their guy, you know, if, and he's back healthy, let him play through it, you know, And because I do think part of the problem, you know, and I know JG played for four years, but the last couple of years, there's been so much yo-yoing, you know, back and forth, that like you just can't play through anything. You know, it's kind of like the shooter that is in a touch of a slump. Like, do you just let him sit over there and and, and get the mothballs, as you said? Or do you let him kind of shoot his way out of it? I mean, Saturday's a good game to shoot your way out of it. Uh, You know, again, all that based off him him being healthy and being able to play. And this is because after after the game, I was knee jerk. I was like, you got to move to Hooker, but then I, the more I thought about it, I, I just felt like you know that's probably not fair, It wouldn't be fair if, if Hendon Hooker was the starter begin the year
0: and had totally struggled. This is, I mean, you'd expect Tennessee Tech to be a kind of a laydown anyway, but this is an ex- doing the getting, doing the you know looking at stuff for the matchup. This is this is a really bad defense, and it's really bad in the secondary they giving up 200, almost 300 yards a game for two games. They have one sack. Somebody, this is going to be one where somebody can leave feeling pretty good about themselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, you, Tennessee should be able to do whatever they want to do in this game. I mean, they're, I think, I, I think Tennessee tech averages about 250 pounds up front, 260 pounds up front across the board on the D line. They're really small. Uh, people have run it on them. People have thrown it on them. And then offensively, they've, they've not been able to do anything either. So, this is certainly the opportunity to get some people right, for sure. Uh, Vol Rocker, we go next with a recruiting question. What's the latest on Nolan? Haven't heard his name mentioned much. Don't think he's been to Neyland Stadium yet this fall. Is Tennessee fading there, Austin Price?
2: No, they're not fading. Um, but, I mean, you know, they played two, two games, uh, one on a Thursday night, um, then one at noon. He went to Michigan this past weekend. He's going to go other places. Tennessee's not fading; they'll be there till the end. Um, now, does he end up here? It could go a hundred different ways. Um, and, and I've said that for forever, and my stance has never really changed. Anybody that kind of went all in on Walter Nolan as a lock to Tennessee a few months ago, I said that was silly at the time because so much can change. Um, you know, and then so much has changed with him. I mean, look—I mean, he just changed. He put out top three, changed the top three, then goes and visits a school that's not in his top three. I, I mean, mean, you know what I mean? Like
1: that—that yep. that, it's that, going to be just a bunch of twists and turns. Yep, that sums it up pretty well at this point in time. All right, two hoops questions to you, Rob Lewis. How's the staff feeling about uh, Wallace uh, heading into his official visit? Uh, are they still somewhat quietly confident? In your opinion, how do you like the ball's chances with? uh kyron lindsey seems like with others off the board he might be the most gettable any update on julian phillips potentially potentially official visiting this fall or any other potential official visits for the fall we'll start there on those first run of basketball questions
0: uh no nothing i don't have any any more visitors tennessee's working to get phillips um hard i think yeah i I think that that's going to be a tough pull in my opinion with Wallace, I, mean, I think quietly confident, but certainly not cocky. I mean, when you're recruiting against Kentucky, you never can be. So, dog – like I've been saying for weeks now, dogfight. That's how I would describe that. And <laughs> Lindsey, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tennessee's in a good spot with him, assuming that, um, you know, he makes it to campus. And I would agree that they're considering some of the, the way some things are looking with some other guys, that uh, he's probably more realistic than some. But uh, – I wouldn't call that a slam dunk by, by any stretch of the imagination.
1: All right. Does this coaching staff think uh, – is it, is, is it Mashak, and, and May Shack? Yeah, and or uh, Jonas will be able to contribute this season. Any buzz around B-A-H, B-H-H, and his thought – is he thought to be a one and done?
0: Well, I mean, we're going to need to see Brandon Huntley Hatfield play a couple of college games before anybody has an opinion on whether he's one or done certainly possible. There will be people around him hoping that's the case. But uh, we're a long way from – he is not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination. And, yeah, they think Jonas – you know, I don't know if Jemai how, – how many minutes he will play, but they I can – honestly, they like him a lot. An awful lot. I mean, Tennessee has a really crowded backcourt. And, you know, whether or not he gets – you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game, I don't know. But I can, I can promise you the staff likes him. And, yeah, they expect Jonas to contribute.
1: Hypothetically speaking, Austin Price, if two of the quarterbacks on the roster leave after the season's end, is a transfer in the next class a month a must? We've already seen such a turnover with having five scholarship guys to start spring practice.
2: Well, if they pass the, the rule like everybody's expecting them to pass, then, yeah, I mean, if you lose somebody to the portal, is going to likely bring somebody back in out of the portal that's a quarterback. I mean, I definitely think they're going to add a second quarterback, whether it's via transfer portal or, um, you know, or, or or potentially another high school kid. But I would lean transfer portal um, at, the, at the end of the season if, if you're kind of asking me what direction Tennessee's going to go.
0: AP, I should know this, but is, is Jackson an early and early? He is, yes. It could be uh, yep. That certainly could make
1: things interesting in the spring from a competition standpoint and might make things interesting in terms of who is interested in Tennessee from a transfer portal standpoint a- as well. Uh, Vol farm D several players. And you all have said that the defensive scheme is much simpler and is allowing players to play faster. Can you guys elaborate on that a bit? What is so different from Pruitt's scheme, pre-stamp things, formations, et cetera. It's all about checks. It's all about the rules for the checks. I think is different. I think there's some standard rules in Tim Banks' system, and I think the complexity of why you checked, what you checked to, when you checked it, uh, was much more complicated in, in Jeremy Pruitt's system. Um, Austin, maybe maybe you disagree with this, but it felt like that Jeremy Pruitt was trying to get in the perfect defensive play call every snap. That there was enough rules and checks. To be in the perfect call every snap, I don't think that's the vibe of this defense. There's checks to this defense, but I don't think it's that specific to try to be in the quote perfect defense every play. Well, it's kind of like the offense. I mean, Jim Cheney's offensive playbook
2: um, was so big. I mean, there were several offensive staff members last year that, you know, had had that staff been given another year, we're going to push hard to dummy it down going into. This year, because th- that's how complicated it was for a lot of those kids. And so I think much like that on the defensive side, too, um, you know, instead of just kind of, you know, playing with what you got and, and putting and calling the, you know, the defensive play, they, they tried to check too much. And, and, you know, it probably, you know, did put the kids in a, in a tough spot because the kids just couldn't mentally handle all the checking and, and all the and, and just the expansive uh, defensive playbook.
1: All right, can't get right. 8402 has a uh, question with two possible answers here. If you're coaching Saturday, what's your priority? Austin, you can't say the wheel route is your priority. One, playing the starters enough to make sure things look crisp and efficient or play as many guys as you can to see where you are depth-wise. I'm playing as many bodies as I can play in this game is what I'm doing. I mean, yeah, you want to be crisp early in the game, But I'm seeing who I got above the line and below the line before I get in an SEC gauntlet. I'm giving, I want to see guys I've not seen in in different situations, Rob. That's where I'm going first with this
0: one. Yeah. And I I think you can do both in this. I mean, Tennessee Tech is so bad. I mean, they're not, it's not just being overmatched because they're an FCS school. They are a bad FCS school. (laughs) So, I mean, I think you can play your starters for, the, you know the first half and do. Maryville or Tennessee
2: Williams? Tech. Maryville or Tennessee Tech. Go. Oh, I, I don't know.
0: You, you mean the Maryville <laughs> High School Rebels or the Division Three Maryville Scots? No,
1: Maryville Rebels. Against <laughs> no, Tennessee Tech. Tennessee go. Tech. Surely. I'm, ta- I'm taking. I'm taking the Golden Eagles there, but they're not but then, a very good team. And,
0: and <laughs> you know, I think you can get six or eight drives with your starters, and you know, in the first half, get everything you want done, and then open the floodgates in the second half. Hey.
1: Who's got more wins at Tucker Stadium, Mariville or Tennessee Jack? <laughs> now, that's a good question. I'd have to go <laughs> dig out the TSSAA record book to take a look at that one. Um, all right, Bloom Miss Ball wants to know, with all the attention being given to the quarterback position, and by many specifically Harrison Bailey, there's so much undue pressure for instant evaluations um, of what development would be required for them to be the QB one in the future. Considering that Bailey is still a freshman, quarterback under a quarterback savvy coach with a new system but also likely to face even more competition going forward with Jackson what is his future base your answer off as either he stays he plays or we need to both move on
2: well my thing is and I said this a year ago uh, well over a year ago actually dating back to you know spring of 2020 the worst thing that happened to Harrison Bailey was he got that fifth star late in the process because then extra added pressure got put on him. And I think it was unfair to think that he was going to come in here and ride in on the white horse to save Tennessee football. You know, um, I mean, he's still a young kid. He's still developing. He's still figuring things out, you know, um, does that mean he can be good? He can be good. Sure, he can be good. That doesn't mean he is or, or warrants being the Tennessee starter right now. Um, you know, I said this the other day on the general's quarters when, you know, Bassmaster Ball was, you know, talking about the spring game and what he did in the spring game. And I said, well, does that mean David Yancey deserved to be the starting running back based off his performances in the spring game? And, you know, I think it was Matt for Rocky Top and Bassmaster Ball quickly responded – and I said, guys, I've seen the practice clips when we're not out there, and the errant throws that he makes that are as bad as what Joe Milton has made in round one. So that are in the game one. That's why he's not been able to get on the field. And you know, at the end of the day, you got to continue to let him develop. You don't put mothballs on him, and you don't, you know, you know. I, I just think that you, you just. If you had me, you know, lean which way, I would say, you know, it, it's probably going to be hard for him to play here. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, he just needs an opportunity. But he's going to have to either earn it on the practice field, which is something different than he's had, or he's going to have to take advantage of an opportunity when somebody gets hurt and he gets inserted into the game, or he gets benched and inserted into the and game. Dude, I'm
0: not, I'm not remotely saying he's going to take this path. But, I mean, you had two first-round quarterback picks in last year's draft who didn't do anything in the first three years of their career, Matt Jones and, and it's the kid at the Jets, with Zach? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. I mean, I'm not saying Harrison's going to do that, but, I mean, it just doesn't – it's not necessarily going to happen in the first two or three years. And, and your – AP, I could not agree more with you about the fifth star. Changed everything for as far as expectations for him.
1: Matt Brad one wants to know: looking at UT's best chance of pulling out a winning games for next weekend. What would be the best case scenario for the Gators Bama game this weekend? Bama steamroll in like they did Miami a few weeks ago or a closer heartbreaking loss similar to Florida state's loss to Notre Dame, or does it really matter since it's Tennessee, Florida and the Gators will probably play their best game of the year. Regardless fully expect Anthony Richardson's coming out party will happen against the balls in the swamp. Um, I don't think it matters necessarily, but I don't think Florida is going to be competitive with Alabama on Saturday. I, I think, I think they'll make a player two, but I think Alabama is comfortable all day long in the swamp.
2: But what he said at the end is right. I, this is going to be the sacrificial lamb game for, Emory Jones as he exits stage left, which means it's going to be full Anthony Richardson when the Vols roll into Gainesville. Which, <laughs> I've said that. I've said that all week. Which means a lot of quarterback runs. Provide, a lot of quarterback providing growth. if he providing providing Richardson is healthy. He's got that hamstring, you know. So that's why I said, do they just know that they don't have much of a
1: chance this week and say, Emory, you got it. Let's get Anthony ready for Tennessee. That makes some sense. All right. A couple more. We're out the gate here. Bronco Vall wants to know what's happened to 22 recruiting. Most of the site contents related to 23 and 24 kids realize the staff got a late start, but is the lack of defensive targets concerning to you, Austin? Do you think Tennessee circles back and looks at Kenny Paul from Chattanooga or the other kid who was a safety prospect, uh, from that area? I think he went to East Hamilton high school who had a pretty good showing in summer camp. Sorry. Don't remember his name.
2: Uh, that's Jeremiah Flemons. Um, And uh, no, I don't think they're going to go back that direction. Um, Willie Martinez will be out and about on Friday. I think he's going to go see Jalen Lewis, but you know, I I don't think Tennessee's going to get involved there. I mean, you know, I think it's more, you know, um, go see how he looks in person and, you know, um, go that, you know, kind of go that route. But I mean, they just not done a whole lot with the, you know, with Anthony Brown and Jalen Lewis at this point, Um, the 22s, I think there's going to be a, Potential for some of those in-state kids to make it to campus in early October. Uh, We'll have full details of that uh, coming up at a later date. Um, You know, uh, they're just offensive offensive side. That's pretty much done outside of maybe like one receiver spot. And then defensively, you know, it's a bunch of Juco corners. Uh, You've got, you know, um, Jeremiah Caldwell from the state of Michigan. You've also got, uh, you know, Jordan Thomas, who, if you were able to say, Who's the next Tennessee commit? I'm not sure it happens anytime soon, but right now he would be my lean, Jordan Thomas from Montgomery Catholic. Um, You know, James Pierce had a great time. It was the first time he's ever been to a college football game last weekend. Um, uh, And so uh, I I think that he'll remain a top target for Tennessee. Same thing with Joshua Josephs, um, you know, Walter Nolan, Jacarius Clayton, I think he's going to stay in the state of Mississippi. He's a former Mississippi State commit, now commit to Ole Miss. I just don't see them getting him out of there. Najali Kelly, another one, DeAndre Martin. Um, you know, and really the only offensive guy they're recruiting left is Caleb Webb, uh, who I believe Cody Burns will go see on Friday um, down in um, McEatern,
1: down in Atlanta. Feels like it's going to have a pretty heavy defensive transfer portal feel to the, this, this signing class. Um, or, or in terms of flipping the roster moving forward. It just feels like they're going to be back well, heavy in the transfer it, portal. I may it, not be that way, but it feels like it.
2: Yeah, well, it, listen, Tennessee better start signing some kids, and they can't go with 50 portal kids because if they lose a few to the portal, which is, it's, I think that's going to happen every year, you're going to lose a few. You know, kids that just didn't play, that one, like a guy like D-back with. I mean, is he really going to stick around? He, to me, he's likely headed for the portal at some point. Well, if this rule passes, you can, you know – you can bring somebody up that don't count against your numbers, you know, up, uh, if they pass it the up to seven things. So I mean, you know, Tennessee to me can go
1: portal, but to me, you don't have to go so portal heavy. If that rule passes. I agree with you. I just don't know how many, I just don't know how attractive they are at this point in the game to a lot of defensive guys out there. You've ran, you mentioned a bunch of names and I think they're certainly in play there, but I don't know that you're saying, I, I don't think you're saying that they're the leader for four or nope. five of those guys at, at this point either. Now, That may change in a month, but we know how quickly guys want to come off the board. All right, guys, last question. Rob, this one's to you. Mike 96 wants to know, what is the identity of this team shaping up to be? I'm going to let you You take that one and go home.
0: (laughs) That coming off a game where they had 13 penalties ever? I I don't know. I can't answer that question. I mean, I think they're, you know, I I know Hypo griped about the way they prepared in the last 48 hours before the game, but I I think they're – I don't know about this doesn't answer the question about identity. I think the culture is really positive and I don't think anybody, I don't think any of us would have said that last year. I mean, I think that comes from the players and the staff. And I mean, I think this is going to be a team that plays hard. I mean, I don't, you know, that's kind of cliche, but um, I think last year, a lot of, and you know it happens with a lot of kids. I think when things went bad, I think guys had. I think the team collectively had a very hard time dealing with adversity. I think this team will be different that way.
1: For me, as we head out, um, offensively, they're going to be able to get guys open. It's a matter of them executing it. I've seen enough in two games that schematically they're going to find a way to to get guys open. It's about executing. If you execute, I think they're going to grow and and grow to the point of of lighting up the scoreboard pretty good. Defensively, they played better than I thought the, the last two weeks. So we'll see. I think the identity for this team better be improvement. It better be the ability to improve and finish Finish games, finish drives in the red zone, finish the season out the right way. So, two games in, no identity yet. We'll wait and see. For me, it's one word, clean. they got to play clean. Yep, to give themselves a chance, their identity better be one that they play uh, clean football for sure, because 13 penalties last week and the turnovers last week were the reason why Tennessee did not win that game against the Pittsburgh Panthers. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. Presented by Smoky Mountain Organics for Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.
2: You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.